888-100-3456. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast covering new and classic Trek. I'm your definitely not infested with butt bugs captain, Mariah Gossett. And with me on the view screen, we have... I'm Clyde Haynes, and I am definitely the Clyde Haynes and not a different personality in inside of the Clyde that you all know. Well, now I'm suspicious because uh, <laughs> tonight we are covering the fifth episode of the third season of Lower Decks Reflections. Um, if you are listening to the podcast, I'm so sorry for the delay in getting so many audio episodes up. They should all be up by now. You should be caught up. They are all in the uh, stream. If you're watching us live, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find links to everything Star Trek Discovery Podcast at StarTrekPod.co. And uh, yeah, if you're loving this content and you'd like some more of it, you can join us over on patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you there for just $2 an episode. Hey, I just want everyone to know if you're watching us live on YouTube or Twitter or Twitch or Facebook or wherever you watch us, keep in mind that you can participate in the chat. So like Choopy and Kang, just if you have a comment or a question, type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will take a look. And when we come to that special time, and if you've been listening before, you know what it is, and you want to share your thoughts, just type capital H, capital F, capital HF in the chat, and we will take a look. Yes. Our, oh, I was going to say, uh, okie dokie. I think it is time we... Uh, Get Warp 10 excited, and we're going to dig into Reflections and hope that we all don't get assigned over to Star Base 80. So Reflections was directed by Michael Mullen and written by showrunner Mike McMahon, uh, which I could see this was quite a jam-packed episode. And I do think it might be time in this particular show for us to have some... It's time for some hot breaks. Yes. Clyde, what did you think of this episode? I like this episode. This is, it's a, it's a bit of a different episode, but I kind of liked the, there's so much going on with Rutherford. And despite the whole idea of, of like this, this whole past, and, and there's this, this question of what happened and why do they do it to him? And, and this conspiracy, which I thought was funny, um, just the sense of like who he was and who he is. And I for sure thought that it was going to be, well, let's combine ourselves. But no, the message is who he who he has become has been so valuable that that is the real him. And so rather than look back at who he was and the things that he had done before when he was wild and crazy and rebellious, this who he is today has a lot of value. So I love that. And then, you know, seeing Mariner, who I have to say, I was completely surprised she did not leave that booth. She did not. I was fully expecting the Mariner that we've come to know and love to leave that booth. Um like all in all, I thought this was a a really good, fun, and light enlightening episode. 
Yeah, I agree. I thought this was a super fun episode. Um, just, uh, just to drop in, I put it on Twitter, but um, Paramount Plus and whoever your theme park um, partner of choice is, I need a Delta Flyer ride. For real. Based on this episode, like a sap or I need a game. I need something. This was like begging for some sort of uh, activation opportunity. Um, and that got me really excited. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this one felt very like so much of like a Trek morality play. You know, we get them so often, I think, in the drama shows. And there's always like a nugget of something we're supposed to learn, I think, in these comedies as we've grown to see more lower decks and some of these more comedic episodes. But this felt like such a true tie to a lot of what we've come to learn and love from classic Star Trek through the years. So I really enjoyed it through and through. And we'll kind of dig into um, some of my deeper thoughts here in just a little bit. Let's check out what the chat is saying. Chupi, hot freak, so excited about the conspiracy. Most interesting to me was the statement, this will set us back years. What is going on? Lots of uh, cliffhangers in this episode. Also, Chupi says, angry Boimler was amazing. Um, let's see if there's, I don't think we have any more hot freaks for now. It is a little late. It's been a long week. Y'all pod Michael L. Is it me? Are they always repairing the shuttlecraft Sequoia? I feel like they are. It's they also are. written in like crayon on the side of the shuttlecraft. <laughs> I think that's a subtle Easter egg. Like that shuttle will never, ever like actually go anywhere. Cause they're always working on it. Um, but look, I love the whole like recruiting fair and you've got all these, kind of tropes coming by and and mm -hmm. and and talking to mariner and then boimler just like dresses down each one of them they're funny and my favorite one was like stop getting people stuck in your game yes <laughs> all of boimler's gripes were proper gripes um and i really enjoyed his like tangents that he went down um Let's see. Kuhn says, Hot Freak, one of my top lower deck episodes of the last three seasons. I wish, though, that they had Vosh as the thieving archaeologist. That would have been pretty iconic. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed I enjoyed our new our new character who I had written down her name, uh, Petra, our indie archaeologist. But um yeah, kind of starting from the top of the show, Rutherford has this bad dream. We get this flash of an accident. And we've seen some of these pieces before in a past episode um, where we learned that there's at least something a little fishy about Rutherford's um, implant. Um, and, I, you know, at the top, I was like, "Ooh, are you going to finally get the full story? And I kind of like that they're going to tease this out a little bit. Like we didn't get quite all of it, but I feel a little sati satiated in learning more about Rutherford's um, sort of past in this particular episode. Uh, we also get some fun callbacks here at the top. The ship is doing some electrical upgrading power system work at uh, Telgana 5, which they've went to in season one. Um, and so it has a big and diverse uh, kind of um, population on this particular planet because it's in a neutrality zone. So of course it's full of potential Starfleet candidates. Um and as you said, Boimler and Mariner have to go down to run a recruitment tent. I was going to ask you, Clyde, have you ever had to run yes. like a booth before for a club? Yeah. And <laughs> many was, times. What I, was your you, club? <laughs> you name it. So, you know, as an ex-engineer, I run a booth when I was in college for the National Society of Black Engineers. I have when I after college, 
when I worked. So my first job working in, in finance in New York, I went back to a couple different universities and ran the, the booth and interviewed people and signed them up for interviews and did a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, I've done this a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I felt the pain in college. I, I, we would run the, so the radio station I worked at in college, we would have a booth, but we were always like the fun booth. Cause we also DJed all of the events. So we got to play music. Mm-hmm. So that was always really fun. Um, but then for a long time, I worked at a ton of nonprofits. And so I'd have to go out trying to get like volunteers. And so I would table at like all of these like community involvement fairs that like the University of Texas or the Samsung offices and being like, come bring your team to pick up trash and bond. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> I have a secret weapon. Oh, yeah. What is it? Donuts. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Just telling you, people will stop by your booth if you've got donuts. They don't even care what you're talking about. They will listen to you if you have donuts. I'm just telling you, it's a secret weapon. And and like even little donut holes, like people, mm. they're coming by for food. Everyone wants a snack. I really liked the photo op cutout that was Kirk and Spock. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, um, and then back on the ship, we have Rutherford who uh, has Tendi uh, clear out the cache in his implant because he is having trouble sleeping. And then we kind of get this red Rutherford, blue Rutherford. You know, we have blue for good Rutherford and red for bad Rutherford. <laughs> which I thought was interesting for many, uh, you know, there's the matrix references possible. There's political references possible with that. Um, But I'm glad that we, I was a little worried that we were going to get like Rutherford making just like a disaster for our, our, you know, bad Rutherford making a bunch of chaos for good Rutherford to have to deal with later. Um, I think he's definitely going to have to deal with that fallout from the trail character that he went out on a few dates with, which that line, I know so many cosplayers who hate when people, if they cosplay as trail, especially like femme presenting folks get like, well, how far down do your spots go? And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) It is such an aggressive, like over the top line. It is so gross and i was like oh you all know exactly what you're doing this is awful (laughs) um i also like that we get shacks calling bad rutherford baby bear and bad rutherford's like baby bear (laughs) what kind of a nickname is that and he completely leaned into it and 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 said it a few more times i was like oh my goodness um, I wanted to, so this, one of the things that I liked a lot about this episode is how much of like a classic Trek moment it is to have these like split dual personalities. Um, so I didn't know, do you have a particular favorite from Treks of past? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you could call it this. I would say my favorites are probably the data lore kind of conundrum um there's so many like i i mean i i think one of the things i love about lower decks is how they they poke fun at the tropes right at these at these historical kind of things that we repeat where we laugh and we say oh my goodness do you guys never read your history like have you never read a log to see that when this happens you should know exactly what's going on right um but it's just like, I looked at this and was like, oh yeah, it's to the point where you're like, oh, I know this episode. Like, I, I know what's about to happen here is 
we're going to get, you know, it's basically a mirror verse episode. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and I thought this one was fun. Yeah. Very like enemy within from TOS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think one of my favorites is mirror mirror from TOS because we get like goatee Spock, um, mm-hmm. which is such a like iconic place to start the mirror universe. And the idea that there's like weird facial hair and like makeup differences when we're in the mirror universe, even all the way through to like discovery, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to, I can't remember the name of the episode, but, and I'm going to, I can't believe I'm going to reference this show because you all know that I don't ever. Is this an Enterprise reference? Is this what's happening right now? I think so. So there's a mirror verse episode. It's Are like you a two-parter. sure you're not the other Clyde? I know, right? This is <laughs> I'm bad Clyde. I am bad Clyde tonight. Um, but there is a there is a mirror universe in the the Enterprise series show where like ev- like I remember like Hoshi is basically wearing like a halter top the entire episode, and it's like she's supposed to be with the with captain archer but she backstabs him that was such a it's kind of like a fun dark yeah in a mirror darkly i thought that's what it was thanks um but i that was that was probably one that i really liked where everybody was like bad and 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 um i thought it was fun yeah i'll go with that one can't believe i said that (laughs) um as a palate cleanser i'm going to go to the chat for a couple of questions here so uh, Chibi says they are starting to reference their own show a lot, at least to this episode. There's quite a few. I have a list we'll go over at the end. Um, Starbase 80. Oh, God, no, not Starbase 80. It's a hellhole. And then the crystal hoarding people. Um, and then we also have Rutherford calls his alter ego anaphasic alien, which is the same type of being that Dr. Crusher smashed a ghost from a candle in in that weird TNG episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I thought we don't talk about that one. I don't think I thought we talk. We don't talk Mike about McMahon. We, do, we we all agreed. We don't talk about it, but you had to bring it up. Um, yeah, I think I always like when we get to these moments um, in the show to see like what are the characters that we've come to know and love. And I'm sure as actors, it's also really fun. I was watching on. Um, the ready room, you know, Eugene uh, Cordero was kind of talking about how like Rutherford in register and performance is like always so positive that literally any deviation off of that was enough to make it seem like it was evil or red Rutherford. <laughs> and, and I was like, it's so true, but it's, it must be really fun to get to play these alternate versions of these characters, especially now that we're in the third season and everyone's kind of like, um really i think found their groove into what characters they're playing so i'm sure that was really fun to kind of get to explore you know i'm i'm surprised no one has said in the chat that one of their favorite alter egos was captain killy because i mean Iconic. everybody loves captain killy it is yeah she's Incre- I, I I think I I mean I love Captain Killy, but I think I love Tilly being Captain Killy more when mm-hmm. she's having to pretend, because um, then you get to actually fully root for the character. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and down on the planet, we kind of have this fun tension rising between Mariner and Petra. Are frustrated 
uh, independent archaeologist who I think manages to go through like every critique any person has ever told me about like Star Trek and Starfleet about like you're essentially a glorified Navy and yes. like, you're going to get assimilated to become the Borg and you're signing up for a windowless room and like <laughs> all of these moments <laughs> to deter people from going in. But in fact, Petra knew exactly what she was doing because she was trying to get them to be frustrated and trying to cause a distraction so that she could go into the museum and steal uh, an artifact to bring, I, I guess, reverse steal, I guess, take back um, for, for a culture, which I thought um, was, in, I know they didn't, they obviously didn't plan it, but I feel like there's been a really big push recently in the culture to talk about like the history of museums, specifically like the British museum and how much of their collection is stolen artifacts and all of these countries trying to get their works back. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like kind of an interesting little moment there. You know, so weirdly enough, I'm, I am very much into sports. Um, and one of the things I like about sports is the recruitment aspect, particularly of college sports, mm -hmm. because what you do is you, you typically have these universities that are trying to recruit these players from all over the country. And the thing about it is, so you've got school A that's saying, hey, you should come to our school. Like, we're the best, right? And they're going, don't go to school B because they're trash, right? Here's what you hate about school B. They won't tell you, but that's what it is. And so the dynamic of that recruitment dynamic, that was fully on display here, <laughs> yes. but it was done so well because the thing about it is, is when you're speaking the truth, it's just funny and there's no comeback. And so she, when she was saying, when Petra was saying, hey, you know, transporter, you really want to be stuck into a, a windowless room? You kind of go, but nope. You're absolutely right. And when that glorified Navy comment <laughs> was hilarious. And then the comment about um, the uniforms and like, if they're so great, why do you keep changing? Them? Yes. Like, <laughs> but look, now we have these flaps. <laughs> <laughs> and jewelry. Here's your little pip. <laughs> oh my gosh. Boimler's little face when that pimp went, pip went flying was so funny. Oh my um, goodness. That was a really good moment. But yeah. And then, but then I did like that. We had that turnaround of like them essentially being like, no, here are all the reasons we freaking love Starfleet and Mariners. Like, well, if y'all weren't getting in trouble all the time, all we want to do is go be nerds in space, but y'all keep <laughs> messing that up all over the galaxy. And we have to come defend you and save you because that's the right thing yes. to do. And like... yes. <laughs> well, cause I mean, that was in a nutshell, that's the premise of every Star Trek episode ever, right? Yes. Starts off, hey, we're just, you know, we're just here to explore and record measurements of this anomaly. We're minding our own business. But then lo and behold, someone has done something stupid that we have to intervene. And then we become a Navy, right? Yes. <laughs> like, like it is, it's like, that was incredibly accurate yet funny. It was, it was you know, it's that sibling or your cousin who says something about you that is so true and hurtful at the same time, you have no words. That's what that was. And I was, I was there for it. Yes. As Chupi reminds us, we just want to explore and study effing quasars. <laughs> um, from Kim. So they keep teasing us with Cisco references in new Trek shows. Dude. We've got to see him, please do whatever it takes to persuade Avery books. I, think at Star Trek day, a lot of people have asked this question and they tried to reference it and he has been asked and is, I think just not 
into coming back to that part of his uh, career or, or sort of acting in that way at this point. So, um, but from what I've heard, he has been repeatedly asked. So I feel like this is their way of being like, we understand this character still exists in this universe. We just literally cannot get the performer to come back. And I feel like it would be really hard to get anyone else to like, even if it was an animated version of Cisco and you tried to get someone else to voice that, I don't think that's going to work out. You know, I, I think at some point the question becomes, do you recast him as a Kelvin older. version, older or younger? Yeah. Right. Because I mean, here's the thing. We, we, we get this a lot. You know who we're not bringing back or we're, you know, you know, no one's asking to bring back Shatner. Right. <laughs> We've like, if the, I mean, I look, I like the guy, like I actually like him, but it's it's kind of like they've gone, we've got Chris Pine. Why would we want Shatner? <laughs> yes. Also, probably a lot easier to work with. <laughs> I'm just saying. So it, you know. it I kind of wonder at some point, will we get, you know, a, a recasted, reimagined, younger or older version of Cisco? Um, they'll have to nail it, though. Like yeah. They would really have to nail it. So who would you, if you had to recast or maybe not even recast, I like Chupi's suggestion here is like a prequel where it's a younger Cisco um, as a way to kind of get around this. Who would you cast as a young Cisco? Sterling K. Brown. Oh, that's a good, that's a, that's a solid, it's a solid um, choice. I would, yeah, I'd probably go with Sterling K. Brown. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking about like, who are these iconic actors that are kind of like a little bit younger, a little bit in there, but who I think could pull off the weight because think about Cisco is it's got a lot of weight to it. Yeah. Um, I thought about Donald Glover, but I'm like, uh, he's, he's done Lando Carizian. So yeah, no. I'm trying to remember the name of this actor and it's going to drive me nuts. He's in the new, a league of their own. He plays the husband that like goes off to war and then, um, is that no? Yeah, Aaron Jang, uh, Jennings. Do you know who Aaron okay. Jennings is? Yeah. Um, I think he would be great. He's also in Grand Crew. Yes, and I, I do love Grand Crew. Um, I do, I do love Grand Crew. Yeah, but after because I I had seen him in Grand Crew, and I was like, oh, he's like a very funny comedic actor. And then seeing him in, um, A League of Their Own, I was like, oh, you can also do like drama so that was like fun to see um yeah yeah there's the, yeah there's a few of them out there um mm-hmm. lise a says it'll end up being michael b jordan <laughs> there are that a lot would... of people that would not be, have a problem with that at all um, if he's from the marvel universe do we think i i mean michael b jordan or... Michael L. What about recasting Cisco with the actor who played Jake? He was at Star Trek Day. Hmm. I feel like that'd be slightly confusing, but maybe interesting. Yeah. Um, I love Michael B. Jordan. I. Sirac Lofton. I I just wonder if it was too if it's too big at this point if he's too big for it. Oh Let's yeah, see. I mean that would be because I feel like they grab a lot of these actors right before they get like mm-hmm. real. Jonathan Majors would also be pretty incredible. Um, but he also might be too big at this point. Yeah, but that would be that would be 
really interesting. Oh, Jonathan Majors, yes, from uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. He's probably a little, a little too. Big. I like, I like Lakeith Stanfield, but I think mm. he's, I think he's probably way too big. At this yeah. Point. yeah. <laughs> we we need to catch Lakeith like right before Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> we need to catch. We need to catch Jonathan Majors right before Lovecraft Country. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's like we're just we're slightly off. Like we're not quite there. Um, we're we're missing it just a little bit. Um, what did you think about the Mariner keeping her cool Boimler going off the rails moment <laughs> for the two I characters? Just, it was. I mean, Boimler. I've been waiting for it. Right, like that yeah. wasn't that surprising. Um. Yeah, just not quite. Cool. I, I, that wasn't that surprising. I think what surprised me about about Boimler was it just kept going. Like mm-hmm. I was expecting him to calm <laughs> down at some too. point, and he didn't. He just kept rampaging all the time. Even as Mariner is like in full recruitment mode, and mm-hmm. we get um, uh, our first officer um, Jack to like you know ransom coming in and being like what is going on here and like i love that we finally get to see um boimler thrown in the brig i feel like that's like an achievement unlock for that character yes absolutely i I, you know it's one of those things where for me i was looking up and i was going yo everybody around him has calmed down and gone back to what they were doing he's still going crazy right (laughs) Oh, uh, let's see. Michael L. Uh, asked when Boimler goes on a rampage at one point, he yells at a pair of aliens, stop trapping people inside games. <laughs> yeah. So there's been quite a few times, especially in Deep Space Nine, where people have gotten trapped in, in games. <laughs> yes. And in TNG, there was the whole like, oh, Wesley brought in the 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 game that you just like glasses and it looks like you like cone kind of uh, cone shapes. Yeah. And it was I mean, basically then, a drug. Yeah. And then you have like half the queue episodes are always like kind of getting stuck in a weird game. Um, mm-hmm. I guess those weren't cues specifically, but. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, we finally, the the biggest piece of the puzzle of this episode is, is Rutherford kind of having to look at his old self and, and kind of figure out what happened and sort of come to terms with um, his older personality. Um if you could get an implant and erase memories from your younger self, would you? Wow. That's a fascinating question. I'm going to say, I mean, yeah, I want the implant, right? Yeah. The implant seems dope, but. The implant does seem dope. I mean, if for no other reason, like I'd be the fastest person calculating a tip when my friends and I go out to dinner, (laughs) like, that's almost worth it in itself. Um, but I just, I, you know, my past has not been perfect, far from it. But man, it really feels like it's made me who I am. So uh, I think I'm going to say pass. Yeah, I feel like I appreciate that they were like reflecting on the fact that Rutherford is like, oh no, if I get rid of this, am I going to be? The person that I am, but it's essentially trying to be like, no matter how you get to be the person that you are, it is you are who you are, right? right. Um, even if you've made maybe mistakes in the past and been a little, uh, a little too bananas with your engineering projects and your weird garage, 
even though it sounds like you were potentially talked into doing weird experiments on behalf of a senior officer. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm glad they eventually got to that point. I also really liked that we saw Rutherford was like, oh, you gave me infinite abilities. I'm going to have the shuttlecraft of my dreams, the Delta Flyer, but I'm also going to bring my friends with me because I know that it's much easier to solve a problem with multiple people than it is by yourself. So I, I really enjoyed their little sort of mor- moral of the story moment that we get. Yeah, I think it I think what he also is saying in that is who I am is a product of who my friends are. Yeah. Right. And I can't be me without my friends. And man, like I thought that was a really wonderful moment. Um and I I have to admit I didn't see it coming. So I like it I liked it even better. I know it was a surprise. I was assuming it would just be like he did something to the ship to make it, you know, um better. I'm glad we got to see them save them. It felt very true of like them as being Starfleet. And I I like that it was the most like lower decks stakes though, because this was all literally happening in Rutherford's head. Like mm-hmm. none of that chase was real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all of that was happening in his mind. Um there was no Romulan ship chasing them down. No, no warbird. Um, and uh, yeah, the race was super fun to watch. I was like, I want, like I said at the top of the episode, I want this as a game or a ride. I was like, this could be a real fun, like 3D roller coaster. Yes. I mean, it, it's so fascinating to me because so recently um, I took my kids to kind of Disney's California adventure Mm -hmm. and you know they've got a bunch of stuff there and they have these these areas that are geared toward whatever show that they have or you know Mm -hmm. so you've got like a whole area around like cars themes like when can we and you know so Disney's real good with having this like and I haven't had a chance to experience but like Star Trek or Star Wars universe right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when are we going to get like a, a real Star Trek theme park Right. Right. I feel like, like Lower Decks is trying to build this world for us because now we've got like the Bozeman, Montana stuff. Yep. We've got this thing. I feel like Mike McMahon is like, I'm ready to to sell my soul to the theme park. <laughs> I mean, I would very much enjoy like being able to go on rides and have an experience mm-hmm. like this. Right. Like, I mean, that feels like that is right up Universal Studios Alley or something. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. I want to. Paramount's ultimate like cor- corporate daddy is to get us what we want here. But <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the line for people standing to actually sit on the set like of the Enterprise, any one of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, now, like bef- before, you just sit. Now you got like the 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 technology to feel like you're actually moving. Oh man, please! I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm just. I'm for it. As Lise say, can we start a GoFundMe Star Trek theme park? <laughs> Let's start a petition. Yes. Paramount Plus, give us our Star Trek theme park. Right. And and if, you know, first, what, first 100,000, no, first thousand investors get to go first? Exactly. I'm in. Count me I'm in. in. Here's my $5. I got $10. <laughs> I'm glad you went double. It's like, I got five bucks. <laughs> Um, there's an interesting conversation happening in the chat about the development of Ransom this season so far and kind of how he's being a bit of a hard ass on Mariner 
And, um, but then we get this kind of moment with him and Boimler where he's just like, oh yeah, I would have done like the same thing. I'm glad you, you did all that, but I still have to put you in the brick, <laughs> in the brick. Um, what are you thinking about his development so far this season? You know, it's fascinating to me because it feels a little bit drastic. Um, but here's what's amazing. And that is he's he's now really what I would spe- expect a Star Trek first officer to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I felt like in season. But also, one though, two, with a uh, churro. Yes. Lover. Yes. With with, with <laughs> churro wife. Yeah, uh, was it Olivia? Um, Churro Olivia. Churro Olivia. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, like I feel like in season one, he was like he felt incompetent. He was always exercising. Like mm-hmm. he was very vain. Like he he just he didn't feel like he added anything. He was just there almost for comic relief. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like he's he's actually a mentor and a teacher. Like he's he he may seem like a hard ass, but he's really given Mariner an assignment that's built to grow her. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's saying, look, he, the easiest thing for you to do is to goof off, to do something else, to, to walk around, you know, to not take this seriously. But your challenge is to actually do what you're supposed to do in the time that you're supposed to do it. And the result is that she actually signed up people and recruited people for, for, for Starfleet, right? Like, it feels like it's almost night and day, but like mm-hmm. this ransom is a, feels very different. What I'm trying to figure out is if I feel some tension and chemistry between ransom and, and, and Mariner. Oh, I don't think I've, I've been feeling that as of yet. And, and Tawny Newsom was the guest on the, um, ready room this week and they kind of talked about the ransom mariner relationship and um it as like a co-worker relationship there didn't Got seem it. to be a lot of discussion about the romance or anything there but um tawny did bring up like the ultimate like you've made it to my inner circle moment for ransom would probably be getting invited to work out with him and so mm-hmm. i think if we eventually get there with them as characters that's when you know like they've moved to like a friendship zone. Mariah, I just want to say, I appreciate you because when you, when you first said, you know, Tony Newsom, I was worried that you would say when I was talking to Tony Newsom <laughs> at the start date and I was going to be like, I'm out of here. I'm just, I'm gone. When I was talking to my new BFF, Tony Newsom, um... <laughs> I was texting Tony the other day and she was telling me, don't get worried about this relationship. And I was going to be like, you know what? I'm just out. I'll see y'all next week. Um, but no, so I was like, okay, well, I just wanted to let you know, I, I appreciate you for not rubbing it in. Thank yeah, you. no, I wish I was that cool. I'm not that cool yet. <laughs> yet is the key word there. Um, what else? Oh, and then our kind of little tag here at the end is Mariner is working on the, um, sort of log for the day and our archeologist Petra sort of zooms in and Mariner saves that contact. So did you think that she was going to save it or delete it? Were, were you I, even, did you like, did you know? Or were you like, I don't know. Or I feel I, like yeah. I needed her to say yes, because I was like, I need a little bit of chaos Mariner back. Mm-hmm. You know, I am enjoying responsible Mariner, but I need just like a little bit of chaos back. So I think I, I was hoping it was going to be safe contact. 
Yeah, I was I was kind of wondering. I was thinking, man, like they've done a really good job, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've got old Mariner. They've given us new Mariner, right? The stakes of her staying new Mariner are pretty high. And they've put this in a situation where as she's hovering her finger mm-hmm. over the pad, I'm curious as to what she's going to do. And I could see both paths, right? Mm-hmm. And um and I love the fact that she actually did save it because it does bring us some drama and some conflict later on. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and I feel like they've also potentially set up, I feel I found Petra to be very intriguing and very mm-hmm. that like almost manic pixie dream girl vibe, you know? And so I was like, I'm ready for Mariner to make some mistakes, not big ones, but some mistakes. I, I got to say that across, whether it's, whether it's, Discovery, mm-hmm. Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, and even Picard. They've done a really good job of bringing in characters that are fascinating. And, and we're going, I want more of that character. Right. Um, and I think Petra is one of those where mm-hmm. I'm going, hey, I, I want more. Right. Like, give me some more of, of, of this um, it's, I'm, I'm really excited about what, what's happening in the Star Trek universe right now. Yeah, I agree. I feel like my camera is glitching out, but is my audio still in sync? <laughs> You're perfect. You okay, sound great. great. <laughs> Chupi, Chupi asked a really good question, right? Didn't we, whatever happened to Talyn? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Like, weren't we, weren't we going to get like, there's this whole drama piece yeah. of the Romulans and Talyn and the Vulcan thing. Yeah. Thing. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back around. That'll be interesting. Uh oh. Yep. My darn camera. I will just change my camera. We can hear you. That's so good. We can't see you, but we can hear you. Now everyone's treated to a whole lot of my bald <laughs> head. So enjoy. Uh, no. So I, yeah, I mean, I think that that was a great ending to the show. Like I really did enjoy this episode from beginning to end. Uh, was there anything that you thought it was missing or that you needed more of Mariah? Oh, that's a good question. I was going to try to refresh my page to see if I can get my camera to come back. Okay. Um, and I will ponder if there's anything else. I do have some fun Easter eggs if you want to go through that list if you run out of things while I refresh my page. Sure. Um, yeah. And Michael L says, would love to see some follow-up with the other lower deckers um, from the other species. Yeah, Michael, I completely agree with you. Um, we're honing in very much on our key lower deckers. Um, I'm curious. I, too, am curious about some of the others. Um, okay. So, yeah. I'm like a ghost. (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna turn. There we go. I look like a normal human being. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, All right. Uh, You want to you want to talk about some uh, Easter eggs? Yeah. So Petra, uh, when they're going through her file, it says that she was assigned to the USS Victory. Uh, which is mentioned in TNG and Deep Space Nine as serving in the Dominion War. So I think that's why Mariner was so like impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see so young slash evil Rutherford named the space racing ship um, Sampa Gui- 
Guita, I think that's it, Sampa Guita, um, yes. which is a flower found in the Philippines. Um, and Eugene Cordero is Filipino American. So I thought that mm. was a fun little Easter egg there. Uh, Boimler, in his tirade, uh, mentions that he has failed the Kobayashi Maru 17 times, which is amazing. Um, and then when Boimler is in the brig, uh, he writes Boimler's guest house and puts a little check next to it. And there's graffiti next to that that says Mariner's HQ, which has four check marks. Um, so I thought that was a cute little, cute little moment there. And then the other, my other favorite thing that uh, Boimler yelled during <laughs> his tirade was the doctor didn't spend seven years in the Delta Quadrant for you Fs to question his agency. He's got rights. Got rights. <laughs> Um, no, that was hilarious that was pretty, that's pretty shout out to anthony pascal at trek movie um who had a lot of these easter eggs written out um which was helpful for me to double check that i was correct on a few things so um, mariah i mentioned to you earlier that i've been playing a uh, star trek bridge crew mm-hmm. um i have failed the kobayashi maru four times now i've been oh, enjoying you gotta it get all. up to that boimler 17 ah, i don't know that's that's a lot that is a, a whole lot <laughs> Uh, um this is a good joke from the ux trek if rutherford breaks the warp barrier in his subconscious does that mean he has little lizard babies that hatched in his mind (laughs) 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 that is the consequence of using the delta flyer (laughs) yes yes that is what happens know your Um, ships Yeah, I like this episode a lot. I'm excited for what it's teeing up. Um, they couldn't even show a preview for next week's episode uh, during the ready room this week because they said there were so many Easter eggs and spoilers for next week in any clip they could show. So they literally just showed a still of what looked like them walking through a space station. Um, so I'm excited because that probably means it's going to be a jam-packed and action-filled episode as we are <sighs> zooming to the back half of this season. Um and I know we have, uh, there's 10 ups total this season. And on episode 10, we're, we will get um, Lower Decks as well as Prodigy coming back same day. So we'll have a double header to talk about uh, for the finale and the premiere of the second half of the first season of Prodigy. So um, I'm really excited. Great. This is, this is, I'm enjoying this season quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been great. Anything else, Clyde? No, I think I, I think I'm good. I can't wait till next week. I'm I'm trying not to go crazy with. I think I've got a couple kind of uh, screeners left that I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. not to. I'm actually trying not to jump ahead like I did mm-hmm. last time. So, but I'm you got me really intrigued. I know I'm excited for next week. I might have to watch it tonight, perhaps. <laughs> um, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for joining the podcast this week. We so appreciate you. Remember, you can find us live every week on YouTube uh, on Thursdays, Talking Trek. And, of course, we'll continue our coverage of Lower Decks. And in a couple weeks, we will start on Prodigy. Um, You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And you can find links to everything at StarTrekPod.co, including to our Patreon. That is Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. Clyde, where else can listeners find us on the Internet? Check us out on Twitter um, and head us out at, I think you just said it, StarTrekPod.co. Um, shout out to Karen, who helps run our Twitter. Thank you, Karen. We appreciate you. Thank you all so much for joining us uh, for this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery Pod. Uh, yeah, live long and prosper. Bye. Bye. <laughs>